0: I want to just share something with you tonight. It won't be too long, okay? And then we're going to um, just worship him a little bit more before we finish. Um, and I, I want to... Oh, it's appeared. Wow, that was magic. Uh, I, I want to thank you so much for your encouragement. Uh, okay, you know, when, when for all of us that speak, we, we don't do it for the gratitude and stuff. We do it because we feel called to do it and we're passionate about that. But it is really helpful when you do say that was good. or, the, or, the, or Not that that was good, but that it spoke to you. And that God spoke to you through it. And we've had, I've had so much, um, you know, uh, God at work through this last series, really, which has been brilliant. And I don't want to, in one sense, for me, this whole story that we've been looking at, the greatest short story that's ever been told, story of the prodigal son, I don't want to move on from it. I know we will do, but I don't want to move on from it. Because I do think this is the heartbeat of God for mankind. And this is the heartbeat of God for us as a church And I kind of want to say to us, we've got to stay in this space as we grow and develop. Bigger people are people that I think live this out. And the question I want us to have, to to think about tonight, the end of this whole series, and if you haven't been part of the series, then you can catch up on podcast or you can watch the the video talks on YouTube. In the light of our awakening, how will we continue the story? Because at the end of the story that, that Jesus tells it's to be continued, like I said on Sunday. And we don't know what happens with the elder brother, and we don't know what happens with the younger son. We know the and calf didn't get very far, but that's all that we know. We don't know what happened with the father. We don't know that. And it's to be continued because it's to be continued by you and me. So in the light of our awakening, if we've come home, how will we continue to live out the story? And it asks all these kind of what if questions, doesn't it? Uh, and so what if the younger son, having received grace tried to live it out through his own efforts. We'd never do that, would we? Paul wrote in Galatians 3, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I'd like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? It's like a rhetorical question. He knows the answer. Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh. The younger son came back saying, I'll work it off. Father said, No, you won't. And gave him grace. What if he then said, Okay, but I'll work it off? What if the younger son, having been awakened to love and life, got bored and left again? Of course, we'd never do that, would we? What if the elder brother never ever entered the party? If he never ever entered the house again? We don't know that. What if he just was so angry and so enraged and so religious that he actually walked away forever? Or what if the elder brother had an awakening to generosity and went into the party and hugged his brother? What about that? Hugged his brother and kissed him, and said, "I don't care who you've been with or what you've done. You were lost and you're found. You were dead, and now you are alive." What if you and I continued the story? What if we lived in the freedom of the Father's love and called others to the same? What if we lived such lives of generosity that we were impossible to ignore? (laughs) What if we grew, here's the thing, if we grew from being one of the sons to actually becoming more like the Father? Because I think that's where the story really is going. Many of us see ourselves as the youngest son or the eldest son. But actually I think who we're meant to become is more like the Father. Paul said in Ephesians 4, then we will no longer be infants tossed to and fro by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. Let me say something. If you are older, okay, in age and in faith, and you're asking the question, where is the place for me? Look around, because there are loads of people around us who are younger than you, (laughs) and there are loads of people younger than me now as well. And if you're asking, where is the place for me? Look around. We're meant to be coming like the Father, where we're not looking to who can mentor us, but we're looking to who we can mentor for God, who we can invest in. And building bigger people, I think, is God's call to us here at Life Central Church. But can I tell you, it's optional. Building bigger people is God's call, but it is optional. So I want to ask the question, how can we live in the light of the life we've received from the Father? How can we live it out? And I want to talk about three practices that I mentioned in one of the talks, but it was on the baptism Sunday, so it was so short that some of you would have missed it, okay? Because we had lots of other things to get into. And I want to open those three things up a little bit. And this is going to sound like really basic stuff, okay? But my, my understanding, my experience over doing this for 20 years, 25 years now, is that this, it's not the stuff in the Bible we don't understand that gives us the problem. It's the stuff that we sometimes do. Because it's not about how much we understand, it's about how much we apply into our lives. There are three practices which I think are vital if we're to live in the light and the life that we've received from the Father. The first one is this, we need to celebrate We need to celebrate. That's why gathering is so important. I'm so glad so many of you have come tonight. And it's not because we want to fill the room so we can feel good. It's not about that. It really isn't. The Bible says in Isaiah 2 verse 2, In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all, the most important place on earth. It will be raised above the other hills, and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. At this church, we believe in an attractional and a missional expression of church. Many people talk about attractional, in other words, a big meeting, or missional. No, we'll go and we'll do stuff where people are. We believe in both. Jesus said, come, and Jesus said, go. He wasn't schizophrenic. It's possible for it to be both. We believe in come and and see and go and share. Come and see what God's doing and go and share what God's doing. So why do we gather together? I'm going to get a little bit direct here. This encounter space is the opportunity for me to take the gloves off a little bit, okay, in love, and talk to you as mature Christians, okay, and say it as it is. Why do we gather together? God commanded it. Could stop there, but God commanded it. Hebrews 10, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Because when the day of his return is drawing near, it's not going to be easy. And the context that was, I was going to say Paul, but we don't know it was Paul. Whoever wrote that, the context of the writer to the Hebrews is the Hebrew church was going through persecution under Nero and they were in danger of drifting away from the faith. And Paul said, one of the practices that will keep you anchored in the faith is gathering together. Don't neglect it like some people are doing. And I want to say, God commanded it, but the real reason that we need, that's the real reason we need to do it. But there's another reason, we need it. God commanded it because we need it. God didn't just command it because of his kind of ego. Do you know what I mean? God commanded it because we need it. That's why God has told us to worship. Not because he needs it, but because we need it. God commanded it, but we need it. Yes, it's for him, but the truth is we need it. And this is why we need it. It reminds us we're part of something bigger. I think God's doing something amazing at the moment. And we're so excited. I mean, two years ago, three years ago, we would not have thought we were where we are in terms of Hagley and Brickhouse and other situations developing. Uh, and you know, God, and God is moving. And isn't it great that, that, that in some of these places, we can connect and remind ourselves that we're all part of something bigger, which is so important. And actually, we're only a small bit of the church anyway. We all need to remind ourselves that we are part of something bigger. That's why the IGRO conference is going to be so important. Malcolm Duncan has got a brain the size of a planet. You do not want to miss him on that Saturday night. He's an incredible communicator. And he will, he will just inspire you. Uh, last time I heard him speak a year ago, uh, two years ago, one year ago nearly. And, um, and he told some stories of, of what happened in his own life where he went to three or four funerals in his own family. Two of his members of family committed suicide, horrendous things. And yet the faith and the and you'll, you'll, you'll just think, wow, we're part of something bigger. He'll talk about the world and culture and where things are going and how we can respond. And we all need that. We need it. We need it because it reminds us life is not all about us. So when you get up on a Sunday and think, oh, don't want and go to church, it's not all about you. It's not all about us. It helps us focus above and beyond our current circumstances. And it helps recalibrate us so we can re-engage in the world. You know, the prophet Isaiah was a prophet. He was a spiritual man. And yet when he had that experience in the temple in Isaiah 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, who was his mentor as well as his king, he said, Woe to me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Interestingly enough, Isaiah was known for his oratory. For the way he spoke. But he said, But I've been living among people in the world so much, their lips have affected what comes out of my lips. I don't know about you, but isn't that true? And I, I get the privilege to work in a church environment, but the vast majority of you don't. And I do remember those couple of years when I worked in my dad's scrapyard that they were not a people of clean lips. And if I didn't regularly gather together and put great words on my lips, it would have affected my spirit. And whenever any, anyone says, whenever anyone says I don't feel close to God, you can track it back to neglecting gathering together as one of the factors. We need it to recalibrate us. So here's my challenge to you on this one. Be intentional. Be intentional. You know, when people say, Oh, I'm so glad I came today, God spoke to me. I kind of like pleased and annoyed because the inference is, I nearly didn't come. You nearly didn't come because you weren't intentional. You decided whether you come to church when you got up or whether there was anything better on, and that's why you went. Listen, nothing good happens by default, only by design. Whatever you want to do, you will schedule. You don't intentionally go out on, uh, for a date with your husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. You put it in the diary. You don't intentionally, uh, unintentionally turn up at the gym. You put it in your diary. You don't unintentionally go on holiday. You book it at the travel agent. Whatever you intentionally do is what you end up doing. So I want to say, be intentional. And, f- and, and where we are at the moment, and we are, we're, we're learning this, and we're building the plane as we fly it, okay? But what we sense God is saying at the moment is this. The location that you sense is the one where you want to plug in. Plug in. We're one church in three locations, so you can move around as you are, but we want to encourage you to plug in to one location and say, that's where I'm rooted, okay? Now, that doesn't mean if you're in house that you won't go over to Hagley sometimes or you won't go to Brickhouse. That's brilliant. That's one of the benefits of being in one church. But plug in and be intentional. It's so, so important. And then when you are intentional, and this is important, be consistent, Recent research suggests many Christians in the Western world, in Europe and in North America, now attend church where they consider themselves to be an active member once a month. Or twice a month is a good one. So once or twice a month, and, they can, and people consider themselves to be active members. And Can I just say, that's not consistent. You are not going to be consistently building community, consistently being recalibrated if that's where it is. And, and can I say why I think this is so important? It's so important for your soul. So important for your soul. Isaiah was a prophet out in the world. He lost his distinctiveness and he was a prophet because he was amongst the people of unclean It's important for your gifts. You have a piece of the jigsaw nobody else has. And When you don't come... Or when you're not involved, there's a piece of the puzzle that's missing. And can I just say, if your parents, your kids need you to be consistent. I'm going to say something now, okay? And you know me well enough, okay, to know my heart for you guys and for this church. This is something that I heard and then I read to say. Did somebody really say that? Listen to this: Parents that treat church as optional shouldn't be surprised when their kids treat Jesus as unnecessary. Parents who treat church as optional shouldn't be surprised in the future when their kids treat Jesus as unnecessary listen if you are not consistent and intentional with your kids when they're young and going into those early teen years it will bite you and you'll come to us and say, my kid, they're nowhere with God. They don't want to come to church. Now, listen, you can bring them every single week and that may still happen. I know that. There's no guarantees. But there is a guarantee. If you're not intentional and consistent, you've got no chance. You've got no chance. Which is why it's really important that we try and say, let's fix a location or fix a service even. And say, that's where I'm going to go vast majority of the time. Because I want my kids to build community. I want my kids to have non Christian friends because most of the time they'll spend out there with non-Christian friends and I want them to have that, but I want them to know there's some people that they can do life with. And listen, and I know that, you, you know, this is I'm on dodgy, dangerous ground when I'm talking about how to parent, okay? I understand that. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Really? Really? Then if church is that optional for you, I would challenge that. If as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. We're going to say, you know what, Jimmy, Jimmy, whatever your name is, your son, your sons, your daughters. I know there's loads. There's loads of things you can do on a Sunday. I know there's football. I know there's rugby. You don't have to do everything. We are doing church because we want to raise you up in an environment where you might not get it yet, but one day you will. And you know, sometimes my kids, (laughs) suddenly Josh didn't want to go to church. And I see that a lot with parents. They're, oh They don't want to go out to kids' work or don't want to go out of youth. So what? You're the parent. You're the parent, not them. Okay? At one point in time, of course it will be their choice. But please don't do it too early. You will regret it. As I make making myself, I want to study it. Okay? And I'm meaning that in love. I want, this, is what, this is what we want from you. We want something for you. We want you... It's hard for kids to follow Jesus. They've got to find their own faith. I'm so glad That when Josh was young, we made him come to church, whether he wanted to or not. We did right up to that point when we couldn't do that any longer, all right? Because he's 23. No, no. no, no. (laughs) But actually, now I'm so glad we did that because there were whole years in that, and he will say the same where he wasn't walking with God. But if we hadn't put that into him, then who knows? I hope you hear my heart on that. And then, so be intentional, be consistent, and then be expectant. Be expectant when you gather together. Listen to this. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we've been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation, don't we? Now we live with great expectation. So when we gather together in Brickhouse, in Hagley, here in House Owen, let's come together expectant. Expectant that God will move. Expectant that God will move. And expectant that God will speak to you. That God will speak to you. If you're not expectant, he probably won't. But when we're on the front of our feet, do you know what I mean? And when we're leaning in, and when we're eager, and when we're saying, like Samuel said, when he heard a voice and he didn't know what it was, he said, finally, the old guy, Eli, realised it was God and said, lie down and get ready. And then when you hear the voice, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Every time you come and you gather together, say, speak, Lord, because I'm listening. I'll tell you what, he will. It's not that he's not speaking, it's that we're not hearing. So I want to encourage you to be expectant. And for me, and you know, I know I'm often the one speaking, but when I'm not, I meet God here. You know, when Andy and Laura and Jane and Simon open the word of God, I meet God. And you, I don't know whether you ever notice, I write down everything that they say. Not because I'm going to critique them the next day, but because I want to learn. And I want to grow. And whenever the Word of God is open, I'm writing stuff down. And I tell you what, here's the challenge. And my challenge always is, I want to apply at least one thing that I hear. If I can apply one thing that I hear from a message from the Word of God, then I'm going to grow. So, so, so we need to be, uh, we need to celebrate. So we need to prioritise the gathering. It's so important. But secondly, we need to connect. Small groups and relationships are absolutely vital. Never ceases to amaze me how we struggle When we get the thing we pray for. So we pray, Lord, add to the church. Lord, may the church grow. Lord, save people. And then, Lord, they're coming in. And I don't know anyone anymore. Lord, they're coming in. And he's in my seat. And we've got what we're praying for. But as we grow, we have to stay small. And that's the great thing about multi-site. But even smaller than that, we need to gather in small groups. And for us at the moment, they're called life groups. It don't matter what they're called. That's one of the ways. There are other ways, but that's one of the key things. And let me say why small groups are so important. They enable us to build relationships. They enable us to apply teaching that we hear on a Sunday. They enable us to give and receive care and support. They enable us to discover that we can make a contribution. The best place for the gifts of the Spirit is in small groups. Very difficult in this kind of environment when there's so many different people and we are open to all of that. But if we really want to develop spiritual gifts, the best place is definitely in small groups. Small groups enable new people to integrate easier. You know, many people come to this church, certainly here in Hal's and they're here for weeks and months and not getting to know anyone. But if they could find their way into a small group or if your small group could open the door to them, maybe that will be the difference between them connecting or disconnecting. Small groups enable us to grow and develop. They also enable a church family to grow big and stay small. We want to grow big, don't we? Because we want to reach more people. But as we grow bigger, we need to stay smaller. And that's the beauty of small groups. Connecting is God's dream for all mankind. And small groups are a way of incubating that connectedness. Are our small groups, our life groups, perfect for everyone or even anyone? No. Absolutely not. They're not. (laughs) They're really not. I'm not going to say anymore. But when you're faced with an ideal, you can do two things. You can walk away from the ideal disappointed and disillusioned, or you can walk towards it and say, how am I going to help make it better? Come on, grow up. Let's grow up, shall we? Why don't we grow up? And let's walk towards our small groups. Let's walk towards our life groups and say, what can I do to make this better? What can I do to make this a better community? What can I do to make this more life-giving? What can I do to encourage and invest? Rather than what can it do for me, what can I do for you? What can I do for this? Wouldn't that be an amazing? Wouldn't bigger people do that? I think smaller people walk away and say, nothing in it for me, it's rubbish. Try this one, try that one. Small people. Bigger people say, hey, what can I do to invest in this small group to make it all that God would want it to be? The third thing we need to do is we need to contribute. We need to contribute. If we want the life of God to flow through us, if we want the energy and the power and the grace of God, we need to be contributing the moment or that moment when we stop contributing and just receive You know, and there's a time to receive, of course. But when we're only receiving, it's not how God is created. We need to contribute. And for me, that's serving and it's giving. You know, God has a dream for planet Earth, doesn't he? He has a dream for planet Earth. That every person would find their way home to him. That his kingdom would come on Earth as it is in heaven. And he invites you and I to share in seeing his dream become reality. And I think that is incredible. You know you, you know, I'm a, I'm a football fan, especially now that we're winning. Um, <laughs> we're not going to talk about the Albion. We're not going to do that because it would be wrong. Oh, I just did it. But you know, when you're on the terraces, and I say terraces because they still are terraces to me, even though they've got seats on them. When you're there and you're watching, the view of the game is very different than when you're on the pitch, isn't it? And here's the thing, and I just wrote this down just today. The experience of it is very different as well. On the terraces, you think you see it all and you think you know it all, don't you? Oh, yeah. I, I've heard old guys. I, I was at a football match once with Paul Reed. okay? When I was over in Northern Ireland and he took me to an away game in Armagh on the border of Ireland. Okay, it wasn't a fun day out. But he's a mad football fan, Linfield supporter. They're not doing very well at the moment, but don't mention it to him, all right? Otherwise, it'll all be horribly wrong. Okay, and he took me to this away game at Armagh and we sat and it was it was shocking. Okay, and the football was shocking, and there was an old guy who's got him in his eighties. He swore for 90 minutes. Like every other word was about it. In the end, halfway through the second half, he actually shouted to the players, I'm getting my boots on and I'm coming on myself. He was like in his eighties. Because when you're on the pit when you're on there, you know how it should be run. Such a different experience than when you're on the pitch, isn't it? When, when you're there, when you're in the terraces, you never get hurt but, and you never miss the penalty and you never miss the open goal. When you're on the terraces, you never feel the leg-crunching tackle or the disappointment of a heavy defeat. But you never get the thrill of scoring the goal. You never get the moment when the team works together and against all the odds, brings it home. You never get that when you're on the terraces. It's safe on the terraces, but it's spectacular on the pitch. It's enjoyable on the terraces, but it's energizing on the pitch. It's lively on the terraces, but it's living on the pitch. Got to contribute, guys. Really easy. How do you do it? Be generous with your time and your talents. Join a team. I don't know how long you've been here. If you're not in a team, join one. Come and talk to one of us. Go to the connection point. Knock on any of our doors. Can I join a team? go and try it out. If you don't like it or it's not for you, go and look for another one. Join a team. That's how you contribute. That's how you contribute. And then be generous, not only with your time and talents, but be generous with your treasure. You know, I said on Sunday, generosity makes us impossible to ignore. And my favourite quote on this, which I have read to you many, many times, but I'm going to read it again. It's going to come up here, hopefully. How we use our money demonstrates the reality of our love for God. In some ways, it proves our love more conclusively than depth of knowledge, length of prayers, or prominence of service. And again, next one. Nope. Okay. These things can be feigned, but the use of our possessions shows us up for what we actually are. These things can be feigned, but the use of our possessions shows us up for what we actually are. Be generous with your money. We've got, you know, if we want to see the life of God flow through us, God wants to bless us. You know, as we, as we honour him, and God doesn't bless chaos. We sang a song earlier on, he brings chaos back into order. Maybe some of our finances are chaotic, and we're asking to be blessed by God. God doesn't bless chaos. Let's get our chaoticness back into order, and then let's see what God does. If you're not yet giving consistently into the life of God through this church, then why not start? Why not start? If you are giving, when was the last time you reviewed that? or looked at that, or thought about that, because we want to be intentional, don't we? And we want to be thoughtful, and we want to be honouring God, and we want to be generous. We want to be generous. So in the light of your awakening, how will you continue your story? In the light of your awakening, how will you continue your story? i want to ask the band if they'll come back up. And I want to just take a few moments, and it's been great to be in God's presence tonight and you know just before we move on and we've got Mark Ritchie here on Sunday um, and that's going to be brilliant and we've got the comedy night Sunday night it's going to be great Mark's fantastic but before we switch gears as it were let's just take a moment as a family okay as a church family God's spoken to us I believe out of this incredible story in the light of your awakening how will you continue your story and on um, Sunday, I, I, I read this poem that many of you have asked me for. And it's a little poem that Max Likado wrote. And to me, it just kind of, I know it's a bit cheesy, but it just kind of says what we've received in God and makes me want to say, yes, God, I want to live for you. I, I want to I be generous. I want to I I live in the light of what you've given to me. And it says this, you have a ticket to heaven no thief can take. You have an eternal home, no divorce can break. Every sin of your life has been cast into the sea. Every mistake you've made is nailed to the tree. You are blood-bought and heaven-made, a child of God, forever saved. So be grateful, forever joyful, for isn't it true? What you don't have is much less than what you do. Let's stand. i ask you just for a moment, just to... Be thoughtful for a moment. Just turn it down a little bit, please, Sean. Sean, bring it down. Thank you. Just for a moment. Just be thoughtful just for a moment. One thing, one thing that I've said tonight, Do you think, that was for me. That for me. What are you going to do with it? How are you going to apply it? What are you going to do? What, what are you going to do different? Maybe, hey, I'm going to be intentional and consistent with the gathering. I'm, I'm going to say to my kids, hey guys, there is loads of stuff that we can do on a Sunday. Do you know what I mean? But actually, this is one of the things that we're going to do because as for us, our family, we want to serve the Lord. So we're going to do those other things, but we're going to make sure we prioritise that. That's so important. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe it's like, you know, I want to. maybe you could walk towards one of those life groups that isn't that great. Maybe you could make it great. Maybe you could make it the kind of group you talk about it should be. Maybe you could go do that. Or maybe you could look at your contribution and say, hey, I'm not really in a team right now. Do you know what? It's brilliant all over the church seeing new people step into things. We're seeing people develop and step into things all over the place, on the camera, serving. Up at Brick House, doing the the project, you know, the computer for the first time, taking up the offering, helping people, sitting on Alpha, talking to people, serving at open house with people from the estate every other Saturday morning. We're seeing loads of people joining teams. Maybe that's the thing that you could do. Or maybe it's looking at the treasure that God has given you and saying, hey, none of this belongs to me, God. It all belongs to you. (laughs) What I don't have is much less than what I do and maybe we could offer it up to God so I'm going to ask you right now just to say God this is what I'm offering up to you this is how I'm going to apply what you've said this is how I'm going to live in the light of your grace this is how I'm going to continue the story I'm not going to get bored and go off on my own again I'm not going to stay religious and stay outside the party I am going to be generous I am going to develop and grow I'm going to offer you because you've given everything to me here's the one thing that I'm going to do Father I want to thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love God thank you all that you call from us you call it out of love Lord you don't demand it you invite it and Lord we willingly say we love you Lord we love you Jesus says if you love me you will obey what I command God we love you we love you so we will obey what you command because we want to not because we have to but because we can we get to we're able to because you have loved us so Lord we at the end of our evening now we want to just give ourselves to you you know if it's comfortable for you or if it's okay why don't you just reach your hands out for a moment I'm doing this as I'm praying. Lord, I want to offer up my life. I want to offer up my life again to you. I want to offer what I have. I want to freely give it back to you. That your life would flow in me. And your life would flow through me. And Lord, help me. Lead me. Help me be a person of generosity. Who helps other people find their way back to God. Not just by what I say. And I will but by the way that I live and the things that I do because it comes out of our relationship with you. So Lord, we say, here we are. We offer up our life to you, Lord Jesus. Come, receive what we offer to you again tonight, I pray. In Jesus' name.